welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby. I'm a product manager and music producer. And I'm Carter, a PhD student and writer at the University of Kentucky. Uh, and today we're getting to interview my own brother, Tyler Johnson. Uh, Tyler is a filmmaker and creator out of Roanoke, Virginia, who's currently working out of Nashville. He's the co-founder of King Zen Entertainment. They focus primarily on real-time comedy sketches. You might have seen them on TikTok or, or YouTube. And they've really established a large presence in the realm of short-form creative content. They currently have over 174 million views on YouTube, and they're closing in on the 1 million followers on TikTok. And so, like our usual interviews, we structure these around our creative first principles, and we have a great discussion. So, what were some of the things that you enjoyed about the conversation, Colby? Yeah, man, we got into the, the weeds, which is always fun for me. We talked a lot about the business and how they took the leap to start their own business right out of college, what it looks like to take that risk, to grow the business, how they make money what the different revenue streams are, what a day in the life looks like, and what they do whenever things get harder, whenever there's burnout and just working on the same kind of content or doing a lot of editing back to back. So, I mean, we just got into the the weeds and it was really interesting and it was fun to connect. I haven't talked to Tyler in a long time. And so I think it was just a really great conversation. Yeah, it was really cool to hear kind of behind the curtain in a couple of different ways. You know, we get to talk about what a day in the life looks like, as you said, of a full-time creative because, you know, a lot of this conversation was about Tyler and Zach kind of taking the risk of going into this, you know, all in. So it was really neat to have that conversation. I enjoyed hearing about their process. They do a ton of editing, a ton of filming, and it all gets condensed to like 20 seconds per video. And so it was really neat to kind of hear their thought process and, and how they brainstorm, how they decide on stuff, how it kind of comes together organically. So I really enjoyed hearing about both of those things from Ty. Definitely. So without further ado, enjoy this episode of The Craft with Tyler Johnson, co-founder of King's Inn. Tyler, welcome to The Craft. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, we're going to jump right into things. Typically, we kind of structure the interviews around our creative first principles. So we talk about creating, revising, sharing, and sustaining. And so the first thing that we were going to just want to talk to you about is the creation process. Being in kind of short form, you create a ton of content. And so we'd love to just hear about what your strategy is, how you guys generate new ideas. Does it look the same every time? Are you guys kind of trying different iterations? But to start with that idea of creation, how do you guys generate ideas? Yeah, so that's that's a big part of it is where to start. Making content, we try to make so much and we're putting out a video a day is like the aim. So it's coming up with ideas is a big part of it. So we try to, we have like some templates where if you've seen our videos, we have like the coupon bit where we make a fake coupon that's got some, it's like their template is we have like bring blank to get blank. And it's almost like filling in a Mad Lib and then you make the coupon go print it out. And then we have another video where we'll go and like buy something from a store that you're not supposed to be able to buy like a wet floor sign or a stair step. So we have like a place to start and then we just kind of wing it. From there, we go in the store and we just look around and find the prop that we need. So do you guys, like how often do you guys go into a place that you know what you're doing versus going in there to find something to do? 
usually we have the video that we want to make. Usually we have our idea and we kind of know the direction we're going to go. We have like the starting point and maybe a couple more punchlines that we're going to get to eventually. But then we just kind of let the encounter go, how it's, how it's going to go and see, like, it's very reaction based. So you can only plan so much because we're, we're going into public and we're going to find a stranger and we're going to create a weird encounter. We try to have like the general idea, but we try not to plan too much before we, we go film and just kind of see what we get. And then after filming, depending on what kind of footage we got, it, we may not even edit it the same way that we were planning on, or we may go a different direction with it post-production. So it's a lot of trial and error. Maybe we go into a store and we go and we do the joke and we don't really get a reaction. So we got to go and try it again and try it again. And then we finally get the one that works and somebody says something funny and then we got the video. You guys have got a degree of a plan going into it. What are some of the constraints? Because obviously you guys have to deal with a lot of stuff in the moment. So for you, you do most all of the filming, right? You do all the filming. What are what are some of the difficulties that are kind of unique to, to your all's filming on the scene? Maybe you could talk about yeah, that for a second. Yeah, definitely. So the whole bit is we want it to be as real as possible. So we don't want people to see the camera that's there. So I try to Maybe Zach will like go in and start the encounter and get their attention. And then I'll kind of sneak in behind them and they won't really notice. It's really crazy to see like how oblivious people are to the camera. It's, it's almost like right in front of their face. They'll even like look over at it and then look back and not even notice it just because their mind isn't looking for it. So we can get away with stuff like that. But then there's also the issue of after the joke is through and the you reveal what's happening and that they're on camera, people not always be happy that they were being filmed so it's dealing with that some too but legally we're in tennessee and the laws are one consent so as long as one person that's on camera which is zach every time is consenting to being filmed then it's legally recovered we try to be respectful though if people aren't happy about being filmed we'll either not use it or blur their face or different things depending but but also people are excited about it too. It's not always negative. Yeah, it's super interesting to hear about the process. You have templates now, but what initially sparked some of these ideas in the first place and how did you even stumble into sort of some of the work that you're doing, I guess? Yeah, it's really just trial and error, seeing what works. Whatever we think's funny, if we think of an idea, we'll, we'll go out and just see what happens. When we find something that the audience resonates with and that they enjoy, will kind of repeat it in a different way. It's like do the same video, but change an aspect and this twist. Yeah, it's, it's also not getting stuck in the things we, we do and also adding new content every and throwing new stuff at the wall. See, see if we can get another bit that we can run for a little while, then that one gets old and we try to just, we have a few that are on repeat and then we mix in new stuff. And then yeah. as that picks up, we start doing that more and drop off something else and then maybe bring it back later. Let, totally. let an idea rest. Did you start in photography and filmmaking and graphic design? What was the first craft that you kind of like dove into and how did you get to kind of where you're at now with filming, I guess? Just growing up and having cameras or phones and making funny skit videos was just always something that was just something that I did for fun. And then getting into school and doing graphic design classes and stuff just kind of 
built skills around what I was already doing that I could add into the video aspect. Like I never took any video classes in school. It, like I learned Premiere and everything just on my own. But on the graphic design side, it was a lot of like art. It's useful, like just general art techniques and stuff that can be crossed over through different mediums. Yeah, because I mean, that's something that I was, you know, thinking about as we're preparing the idea that they look the videos as if they're very simple, right? But there's so much like complex editing going on for you all, like to be in the right place where you can see people's faces, to have the right cut. So that's a big part of it is the frame, even the framing of the shot. It's like getting it where maybe we have a big prop and that's prominent in the screen. So you can see that well. And then you can see the faces of who's talking. And that's where it gets tricky, where you're trying to capture someone's face without them seeing the camera. So it's like the camera has to be in their line of view to capture their face, but you're trying to kind of keep it where they're not seeing it. We started out filming on iPhones just because it was so normal to see somebody holding a phone. You don't even realize that it's a camera recording. But what we found out with that is like, it seemed more sneaky and people got more upset when they found out about it because it seems like we were trying to be more sneaky about it. And then when we started bringing out the like professional camera and filming, it's like people were more excited because it looked more professional or it wasn't, it, it looked like they were on TV or something. They wasn't like some kids filming on their iPhone. So that was like actually a good switch that we were trying not to do for a while on purpose. Even we had the camera equipment and stuff. And just weren't using it because we wanted to be sneaky, but then switching over actually helped out a lot. Ah, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. But maybe um, next, as we're kind of talking about this revision process, talk us through your editing. I mean, you've mentioned to me before that you guys spent so much time editing for these things. So what's your process? Do you have kind of something that you go to every time? Yeah, just maybe talk to us some about your revision editing process and putting these videos together. Zach really pulls a lot of the weight on the short form videos. He's just got short attention span and he just edits it to what he would watch. If he gets bored, that part needs to get cut. And then it's sort of the same way editing too. It's like, I'll just watch the video over and over again. And any point that I don't like, it's like, fix it. Or if something drags a little bit, cut it. But usually when I'm laying out a video, I'll just take all the content that I think could work and lay it out the longest video possible and then just cut out the fat and narrow it down to just the the prime meat that it's really the only the stuff that's necessary to be in the video to make it work. I guess like with your process, there's a lot of different layers to it, right? Like there's the content itself, there's subtitling, there's the whole, probably a bunch of different steps that you take. Is it pretty similar each time? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a whole artistic direction with like, how do you make the captions consistent? It's like, how many words do you put in on the screen at a time? It's just like little things like that that are just like... How much have you seen? Like, you put too much text, does it not perform as well? Or did you research that? Like, how did you guys figure that out? Like, the sweet spot? That would probably be a better question for Zach to answer, just because he, he does more of the short-form stuff. But it, it really is just trial and error. You find something that works, and then you just keep as many things the same as you can so that it's like less variables. So you're you're like kind of leading up more of the long-form content on your, like specifically through YouTube, right? So I'm curious to get into the weeds a little bit of like, 
Are there any big things that you've learned through YouTube? You guys have, you know, almost 200,000 subscribers. You're crushing it on YouTube. I'm curious how you've seen, you know, thumbnails, performers, titling, or just like the actual, like in the weeds of how you've gotten videos to perform well and that kind of stuff, lessons you've learned. Short, short form's just been a game changer. YouTube shorts, ever since that's, we started posting YouTube shorts in the start of the year, January, and they kind of crawled through January, crawled through February, and then March, it just blew up. They just all blew up. We did 100 million views in the month of March, 100,000 subscribers, and it was just zero to 100, really. And that's something we do when we plan in the long form content is we mix in stuff that's going to work on short form within the video. So it's just cut out the shorts that gets the large amounts of views. And then that pushes traffic towards the long form content that we put on, on the same page. So that's been, yeah, I mean, we posted just long form for all last year and just really struggled with traction. But as soon as the shorts started popping off, people started watching them and then they started growing. That's fascinating. So, I mean, is that just... I don't know. Is that just the effect of TikTok bleeding onto these other platforms, I guess? Because YouTube obviously didn't have any short form stuff and neither did Instagram for a while. But now those seem to be like the place that people are encountering the most content. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what happened. TikTok came out, blew up. Everybody loved the short form and they were taking so much viewership away from YouTube, away from Instagram. They had to create their own competitors and yeah yeah it's really just been adopted across platforms the short form has just been really working i mean that's something you're not committing to anything to watch this people you're waiting in line somewhere or you're you just pull out your phone scroll through a few videos it's not like you're committing to anything and you guys started on tiktok so how is that process of trying to like move an audience how are those audiences different? I mean, I'd love to hear you talk about that. Yeah, I mean, we when we first blew up on TikTok, we knew we wanted to move the audience to Instagram. We knew we wanted to move the audience to YouTube. But it wasn't easy. Platforms really don't like when you put links to other platforms. Like if you post a YouTube reel and then say, like, go to the link in bio, watch the YouTube video. Instagram doesn't like that because people are leaving their app and going to YouTube. So it was really once the shorts came out and Instagram reels came out, we just reposted all the same content and it, it worked just the same. It, yeah. It was, and they just all grew at the same rate. We just started reposting everything and then the same thing happened. It's just, they start getting a little more views, a little more views, and then they get traction and blow up. And, and is there a big crossover you think in terms of like, you seeing a lot of the same like profile pictures of your, in your audience across those platforms, or is it totally different? Usually not, at least in the comment section, it's usually like, I mean, YouTube, we've been posting backlog from a year ago and people are seeing it for the first time. We're posting videos. They got went viral on TikTok, but then you post it on YouTube and no one's seen it. It's, I think it really is different audience across platforms that we've seen, but I'm not sure because I'm just judging off of the comments that you see sure. and nobody's commenting. I saw this on TikTok a few months ago, but maybe it is happening. People sure. seem to still be interested in it. And also it's short form. So you may have watched something months ago and seen it and just not remembered it. And you see it again and it's like seeing it for the first time. 
people sit and scroll for hours and you don't remember everything you see. Totally. So you really just like didn't really migrate your audience so much as you just created new accounts on these other platforms and you like reposted the content and you kind of went after probably a new audience. Maybe there's a mixture, but you don't really know. Like Exactly. Yeah. It's less about porting an audience over more about just putting content onto each platform. Yeah. It's just re yeah, reposting the content and then it, it, it worked the same on all the platforms, but it is interesting to see different videos will do different things on different platforms. Maybe a video will blow up on TikTok and get a few million views. And then you post it on Instagram and it'll do like a hundred, 2000. And then it'll do vice versa too. It's just, you never know. But usually like the best videos that go mega viral work across all the platforms pretty similarly. <laughs> so what's, what's the kind of, I, and in your all's mind, you guys have like different ways of seeing viral versus mega viral. Like what are those numbers? What Like how, how do you guys, do you guys track those? Yeah, it's definitely changed as we've grown, but I'd say anything over a million is a viral video. I mean, that's, that's a, that's usually the benchmark. If it isn't a million, we're usually happy with it. But I think the most viewed video did like 60 million and the one behind that was like 59 million. So those are our mega viral videos, 60 million people seeing it. But yeah. If, you know, I'd say just about everything we post is close to 100,000 just because based off the following. This might take it a different route, but I would love to get into just like what the business side of this all looks like and how that process has been. Let's do it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple of specific questions. So first of all, at a high level, like when did you take that leap and get into the business and say like, we're going to, this is, go, we're going all in on this. And was that something you went all in before you'd seen the success or did you wait for the success? That's one thing I'm interested in is just like kind of like taking that leap as an entrepreneur and then I'll save my other questions. That's where we could start. So we started making these videos while we were in college. So we had plenty of free time on our hands and just doing it for fun basically. But then when it started getting some traction and picking up and then we started making a little bit of money and then we started thinking maybe this is a possible career path and then by the time we graduated we were making enough where we could get by it wasn't a lot by any means <laughs> i was living off of the savings for the majority of last year but uh yeah it really the end of last summer maybe august september we really started picking up and that's when we started getting some brand deals and really make it really a making us a, a living, a living off of it. So it was a, it was a risk getting into it, but I mean, we, we saw the growth that we were getting and the potential and it is pretty much gone as, as we planned. So it's been, we're in a, we're in a pretty good position now. So you have to follow up on that. Could you get into a little bit of like how the business works? Like what's your main revenue streams at a high level? And yeah, what is, what does that all look like? What's that path been? AdRev, it does like usually like five cents for a thousand views. So that's not the most significant way to make money. That's like how we're scraping by. If we if we're not getting brand deals, that's how we stay afloat. But brand deals are definitely the main source of income. That's that's where that's where you make the money. Because we did a bunch of deals and they were just uh, 
really gave us the creative ability to just make the videos that we were already making and then just throw in a line at the end promoting their product and they pay us two three thousand dollars which was for one video is outstanding that was great yeah and is that for a long form video or for a sh that you chop up and put in a few places or just is that short like form, for short just form? short form one post yeah so like a post on your tiktok a couple thousand yeah 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 and then we it we try to make deals across platforms too like because we have three platforms with a significant following on it so we we try to do package deals where they're getting posting across platforms and then there's Instagram stories and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So have you guys, I mean, do they find you or do you find them? I mean, how does that all work? It's yeah. It's so interesting because we have, we've had people reach out to us. We'll hit up brands. So one thing that I think of whenever I'm like thinking of a company like this is just like, obviously the platform risk. And I see you all like have been expanding to different platforms to get away from just having an audience in one place. I'm just curious to hear like kind of more about like the future where you all are headed, what you're excited about and yeah, plans for continuing to like expand the business. Yeah. I mean, YouTube's for sure been the most exciting platform recently. Uh, TikTok's been under some heat from the government and, and the competition coming in with reels and YouTube. But yeah, we're really excited about the YouTube growth because that's like a direct way. That's how we get people to watch the long form content because YouTube there's people are staying on their same app. They see the short form, the links in the bio, they click to it and the videos still go viral. And that's, that's like the ad rev on long form videos is so much better than the short form. So it's like, that's really a game changer is being able to put out long form content and get views on it. So that's going to be a main focus is growing the long form videos more. Yeah, really, um, yeah, we're just trying to get more brand deals. It's like having the, that revenue stream coming in is just allowing us to make better content, you know, invest in props and costumes and just make better quality videos. So, I mean, it's really just trying to follow the Mr. Beast model is like get the money reinvested into the videos, get more views and then be able to make more money off it and just keep growing the all the pages. I am interested to see where TikTok goes with everything because that is our by far our biggest platform. And we don't want to lose that, but it's also not making us the most money and it's also doesn't have the same opportunities as YouTube. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm sure it will be a a shift to go to long form I mean that's just a different and different genre of videos and so I'm sure that's going to be something like it'll just be a different recipe almost I wonder because I'm sure it's a different editing mindset yeah it's like com almost completely different and we keep it pretty separate I do pretty much all the long form and then Zach handles pretty much all the short form as far as editing goes but yeah it really is finding that balance of like keeping the retention and keeping it moving fast pace, but also like slowing it down and people like kind of in get into the video more. Uh, yeah, we, we still, I feel like we still haven't really popped off on the long form. We've had a few videos do decently, but we're still trying to figure out our recipe. The main thing we focus on is just trying to, 
expand on what the short form is so that the short form is mixed in. Like if you're watching the video, you might see something that you saw a clip of already in short form. And then it's just kind of some behind the scenes, stretch out the takes a little longer, include maybe the, maybe there was like a funny line, but it did, it wasn't good enough to make the 20 second cut, but it can make the five minute cut. So that's, that's been interesting. I think really having more funds is going to help us make more interesting long form content. The short forms already like the kind of low budget stuff like works on short form. That's kind of like what it started as is just people with their phones doing funny short stuff. That's kind of low production. And then long form is very much high production. Like it's so much competition, like people on YouTube are making TV shows every week, pretty much with the production quality that they're at. And that's a little harder to compete with starting out, but I think we're, we're getting there and it's seeing some growth that yeah, is the most exciting thing we're working on. So you had, you'd mentioned Mr. Beast. I'm curious, are there creatives that you guys follow that you guys, you kind of want to model things off of, or are you kind of grabbing stuff from different people? But I'd just love to hear if there's any, some creative influences that, that you guys are creatively stealing from, as we always talk about on the podcast. Yeah. I feel like there's so many and, that's another way. It's just like you see somebody that does something funny and you like it and you do it the same thing in a different way and you kind of make it your own. And that's something we've done before for sure. I feel like I've seen so many people like on YouTube just slowly grow, grow up. Mr. Beast is an example of that. Uh, like Nelk and Full Sin, Vlog Creations, Danny Duncan. It's just like you see these people and they just, it's just... Uh, What's cool about YouTube is you get to go back and it's long, the low quality videos that they were just starting out and you can kind of see the pre progression of the way it grows up. But uh, how, how would you describe a day in the life as a content creator and, you know, full time, this is your gig walk us through that. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting day to day is, is, something new, something different a lot. We keep usually, uh, a normal day I would get up, go to the gym, come on lunch. And then we got in the afternoon, film for a few hours, come home and edit it. But that's not always what we do. I mean, we like to stack up a big film day where we're, we'll just go out and spend the whole day filming five, six videos and then spend the next two, three days editing those and putting them out. So it really depends on what we're working on in the time. Someday, sometimes we'll just be planning videos and sitting around coming up with ideas. We got to get on Amazon and order the props we need, get an equipment together. It's a lot of behind the scenes that doesn't come, come out on the camera that people doesn't see. Uh, it's a grind. I mean, you gotta, you gotta work. You got to put put in the effort every day. You got to move the move the ball forward, lay that next brick. But as long as I feel like to anyone who's wanting to be a creator, as long as you're moving forward every day, you're going to get somewhere. Is it's just that consistency. That's probably the hardest part is being consistent about it. Do you do like five days a week? Are you working, or is it 
you know, you like, what are the benefits of sort of your, you're your own boss, you're an entrepreneur, like how do you use that freedom or do you constrain yourself to the pretty consistent five day a week work week? That's something I really love about the industry is you can work as much as you want and you can, if, if you need to take a day off, you can do it. It's not a problem, but also you, you don't have to, you can work seven days a week. You can put in long hours and really work as hard as you want to. That's something like a nine to five, you leave and you, you're not thinking about it anymore, which is nice, but it's also like, I, li- I like to work hard and, and grind it out. And it's like staying up late, working on a video is like fun to me. Totally. Uh, that's, that's like, it's, it's nice being being able to work as as hard as you want and see all the profits from it. It's like you're not working for someone else; you're working on your own brand, and it's it's a lot easier to be motivated to do something when you're it's something that you're already wanting to do. Totally. So that actually leads me to one more question. Just just sparked in the last thing you said, building a brand. That's obviously a big topic of discussion, and I'm curious since you are you know your co-founder of King's End, like it's a fully branded, like on each platform. So how do you think about building a brand that's sort of separate from you, you as individuals, but there's also like a very direct connection to you both as being the content creators and it's Zach, right? On film. So like there's a very personal brand aspect to it, but it's also this separate entity. How do you think through that? Yeah, that's that's an interesting part of it. And that's something that I feel like Zach would have an interesting group perspective on too more that so than me being on camera all the time but it is like putting ourselves into the videos and what we think's funny what we think's going to be entertaining but at the same time keeping it audience and brand friendly is uh kind of working with what's what our audience likes about us is like keeping emphasizing those things Carter, do you want to dive into just like sharing your work and those kind of the next category? Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about some of that in, in different platforms, changing some things. You guys have got your finger on the pulse. Any thoughts on, you know, how sharing works, how important the way that social media functions with the algorithm is for you all, you know, anything within, I mean, you're so in tune with what the market's doing in social media. Yeah. Like thoughts on how that's changing. Yeah. Really the algorithms on any platform just work off basically retention. If you can get people to stop on your video or click on a thumbnail and watch the whole video, it's going to keep being recommended to more people. And it's really a competition for the creators right now because TikToks want the size, Instagram Reels one size, YouTube Shorts one size, and they're really competing for for the attention. So it has been interesting because you'll see, you won't even really know what's happening behind the scenes, but TikTok, will, all the videos will start getting more views on TikTok for a little bit and the YouTube will die down. And then the TikTok will die and the YouTube will build up and then the Instagram reels will go viral and they kind of work counterintuitively to each other. So it is, it's really interesting. I'm the way it's changed. I mean, YouTube just started monetizing shorts a few months ago. So all of this is so new. It's, it's been really crazy, but once they, once the monetization happened, they drew a lot of 
viewership from TikTok. I mean, just even talking to other creators, like everybody's TikTok views were down. But while that was happening, YouTube was exploding and we really blew up there. And then the next month, the YouTube started dying down and the TikTok started building back up and we started getting more views there. So it, it really is interesting. And I'm not even sure what's causing everything behind the scenes. I'm sure it's numerous factors. But yeah, they're really, really, the platforms are really competitive with each other. Yeah. And I guess that, I mean, that works for you guys too, right? I mean, as yeah, long as yeah, you well, get a presence on these. They're also, that's another thing. TikTok's working on paying their creators better because that's, I mean, that's the main reason we prefer YouTube to TikTok is more opportunity to make more money. So that's something that TikTok's really having to figure out right now is how they can pay their creators to keep people creating on TikTok instead of YouTube shorts where totally we can send people straight over to long form and it's so much valuable. So that is something that's helping creators is that the platforms are being, are competing for them to be on their platforms. So they want to be able to pay, pay the creators. Well, I, even Instagram rails, I feel like pays better than TikTok right now. So it's, it's really they're, they're, they just started this new program that we're not in it because we sh it only works for videos longer than a minute and we usually keep them like 30 seconds but they're paying more adsense for longer videos on tiktok now trying to create long form content there and keep longer viewership i mean because that's how they, they they the platforms make money is selling to advertisers and they could and that's based off of their their watch time across the platform how many people are how many eyes they can reach i was just gonna say while we're on the idea of like ads brand brand deals being more helpful something i guess we mentioned briefly is the subscriber kind of model have you guys ever thought about that? I mean, is it just not a fit for you guys? Something like Substack yeah, does. Talking about like Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have considered that. I know other creators who make all their money that way. And that d does give you a lot of more fr freedom because you don't have to worry about censorship. You don't have to worry about getting demonetized. You don't have to worry about copyright as much. It's just direct to the people that want to watch you. But the main reason I steer away from that is you're limiting the people that are seeing your content. If your content's behind a paywall, it's not going to be as accessible. Not as many people are going to see it. So I think as when you're growing a media company, you just want as many eyes as possible. And those eyes, I think, are more valuable than the money you would make with the subscription model. Yeah, that that that's pretty much how I feel about that. Have you all thought or talked about any other like going and building any products down the road or anything like other like bigger yeah or more absolutely like that's absolutely long term and that i'm sure that'll be a big stream of revenue at some point we're still um i have no idea like how much we would sell or what the numbers would be like if we put out a product or some merch or something that's something that we're getting we're like starting to get into but yeah it's just like knowing like estimate i have no clue if we put out a some merch and put it that we were selling it i have no clue how many purchases we would get we would 
have to experiment with that. But that's that's where creators are really killing it down the line. You see Mr. Beast is coming out with restaurants, chocolate bars, and it's just like when you instead of doing a brand deal, he just advertises his own brand. It's like the value that that brand would get for paying $2 million to be in a Mr. V's video. He's just advertising his own brand. And then people are buying his product and he's making all the money on that. And it's the same with like Logan Paul and prime right now. It's like a lot of creators are really taking over the, the, the market of just products. That's fascinating. I'd love to dive into like this sustaining because we've talked a lot about just like the grind of creation and how much also just, you know, you, you talked about the day in the life, what it looks like and just enjoying editing into the late hours and the night and stuff. I'm curious though, I've heard a lot of YouTubers talk about how hard it gets and how much burn it, burnout they face. And I'm not sure how much of that is just like the kind of YouTuber where you're like sitting in front of the camera and giving your opinions. There feels like that comes with a lot of pressure on the person. But either way, just the grind of editing every single week, it has to be really grueling, like, especially with the daily video. So how do you push through that when you're not motivated? How often are you not motivated? Like, what would you have to say for people who are feeling that way that are trying to get started? I would say do what interests you. You know, if you're not interested in the product or the project that you're working on, it's like work on something else. It's like, is I try to... what whatever video we're doing is like, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. If we just went out and got a bunch of reactions, like I'm excited to go back and, and work on that. And it, if it gets boring, it's like, do something else. You see, like we do all kinds of different, um, like we've just been trying some skits that were just out of just completely different from what we've done before, just because it was something we were interested in. It was something we were excited to work on. So it's really about not getting in that rut. And if you do, it's like figure out what you would be excited to work on and work on that. It's so much freedom in the creator space to work on really what you want to do. So, so yeah, just keep working on something that you're excited about. But also the, yeah, you talk about sustainability is like really difficult month to month because you could have one month where you like on YouTube, we blew up, did a hundred million views. And then the month after we're down to 50, 20 million views. And then the next month it might blow up. You might have a dry month. So it's, it's hard. Um, it'll be careful about, we have a huge month. We make $10,000, but we can't spend that because the next month we may only make three or 4,000. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's easy to, to get into trouble with sustainability and even going too hard where you push beyond your, where you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's gotta be something you're bouncing. So kind of with that, you're like, Hey, if you get into something that you guys aren't excited about, you try to enter, do something else, try to get some sort of creativity back by just, even if it's just for a little bit, not doing a coupon take, go do a skit, go do something else. And that being said, it's not going to be fun all the time. Like sometimes you, you have to do something that you're not excited about. I mean, it's not always a great time. Sometimes you're in a store and you're not having a great day and you're not excited about getting yelled at about filming, but you just got to take it. It's part of the job, you know, and it's the content that works too. It's like, sometimes your audience wants to see something that you beat into the wall. Like the coupon bit is like, 
it gets old. It was like when you're out filming them every day, it's like, it's not always fun. But that's where even just like tweaking a little part of it, where it's like there's a twist or like there's a costume or a prop or, you know, and something crazy that, that goes down. Yeah. It's, it's like, you've got, I was thinking, I was at five guys the other day, you know, and they're sure it's just like five guys, burger and fries. And I'm like, man, they've been making the same burger and fries every single day for yeah. the past, what, 10, 15 years, who knows? And it's like, at the end of the day, they're not going to come out with some crazy new product because I go there for one reason, burgers and fries, maybe a milkshake. Exactly, yeah. And it's like, it's hard though. You just have to show up with content. It's harder maybe when it's that content in a way because it's like, okay, I'm making the same video, the same format, but this is what people are interested in. You know, it's new people, same content. So I'm making this to reach a different audience. And I feel like there's probably a difference between being on a content treadmill that you feel like stuck on and like knowing what works and you're like, okay, like that just works. So it's not a treadmill, but like, it's actually just like bread and butter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we know it's going to be successful. That's why we're doing it is because we know it's going to work. It's a proven formula. Is there anything you do to like get out of a headspace where you're like, I just, I hate what I'm doing right now. I'm so burnt out. Is it like hitting the gym or just switching up the kind of videos you're making or like taking a couple of days off because you, you're your own boss. You can do that. Yeah, for sure. I love the gym. I think that's a great place to just kind of clear your mind and kind of, I like to get there at the start of the day and just kind of go through like some planning, whatever needs to be like thought out. It's like a creative thinking space where you're not just like, you're still like being productive even while you're in your head. And I think it's just good to stay healthy and exercise. But also too, yeah, I mean, sometimes we get burnt out and we just need to take a few days off or just, uh, one thing we do that's, that's fun. We'll just take a trip, road trip. And since we do film at like fast food stops, there's exits every, every few miles with fast food. So we'll just go stop at every exit and film and then end up in another city and hang out and it's just like a fun trip get some different people get out of the city so we're not going to the same mcdonald's again the same employees every time that's such a unique constraint of what you guys do yeah yeah <laughs> do people what's the reaction then if people are like oh i know these guys i've seen this before what's that experience when you're going um, into a situation is it's it like usually positive i mean we have a few places that we go where we know the workers and we kind of know we have a lock for one take is like we have somebody that knows when we walk through the door, they're going to go along with the bit and just play it, play it up. And they know what's happening, which is nice. But yeah. And there's other places that we know if we go in, we're not going to be welcome. <laughs> we know where to avoid. Nice. Well, well cool. Do you, any, any other questions as we're kind of wrapping up here with, with sustain? Kobe, what do you got? I'm curious if anyone is listening that wanted to start a YouTube channel or Nice. content like media type business trying to do that for a living how but let's say i'm in high school or i'm in college and i'm like not yeah how would you uh do you have any tips on when to know to take the leap or even just how to get started like putting myself out there and making content and yeah just it's kind of vulnerable to just start doing that and maybe it's crick. Like, is it, should I expect crickets for six months? 
you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's different for everybody, but it's it's a really great field where it's very low barrier to entry. Like if you have an iPhone and that's basically all you need to get started in, in the business. So you can start with nothing. If you're in college or you're in high school and you want to make videos, do it. It's like they might suck when they start off. They probably definitely will suck when you just start, but they just get better. It's like if you don't stop, you will eventually get somewhere it's, like, it's just that one foot in front of the other one brick at a time but i would definitely encourage anybody to go for it is is such a great opportunity like i couldn't think of a more lucrative business where our expenses are really low like as a business that's bringing in money like our profit margins are massive like it's not many businesses where you could like the products we're making or like the cost of a video is maybe a $30 prop and a few hours of work. So it's like the return on that is great. So it's a really great, uh, this business to be in really. I think a lot of people are, don't realize the power of, uh, social media right now, where YouTube's going to be in 30 years. I mean, you look at TV dying off every day, like so many people today aren't watching cable i mean everybody watches youtube videos like it's the new tv now like youtube youtubers are like the new celebrities that's like tv stars if you ask kids today what they want to be when they grow up the the most popular answer is a youtuber it's like that's just where the world's moving is that's the new media like the old media is just dying out crazy that's awesome yeah that's super interesting well with that we always like to ask where can people go to find y'all to support your work What's one thing our listeners can do to help you all out? Yeah, just watch the videos. YouTube, at King's End on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, K-I-N-G-Z-E-H-N. Check it out. Watch the videos. Subscribe. Follow. Familiar things. We're trying to get to a million on TikTok. We're at 905,000. Closing in. Yeah, that's awesome, man. This was super awesome. I love, I loved hearing about your story because I it's been a while since we've connected and uh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's just like you've, you all have blown up in all this past, like, what, I don't know, five years, and it's been really cool to see, and it's fun to get to get a glimpse behind the curtain of, like, what the process is like, what the business is like, you know, what the day-to-day looks like. So thanks for being willing to open up on some of that stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. You guys having me. It's been fun. Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth, N-E-W-E-L-L, design.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at elizabethisadesigner. If you like the show, there's three things you can do to help us out. First, subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes. Second, send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, Really, word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com, H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.